Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So what does he do that night? Oh, let me tell you all the awful things Joseph Rosenbaum did. He tipped over a porta potty that had no one in it. He swung a chain. He lit a metal garbage dumpster on fire. Oh, and there's this empty wooden flatbed trailer that they pulled out in the middle of the road and they tipped it over to stop some bearcats and they lit it on fire. <laughs> oh, and he said some bad words. He said the N-word. That is so weird. That is not a defense attorney for this Rosenbaum fellow, who, by the way, is a convicted multiple child rapist. And I don't mean he gave a back rub that seemed a little weird. No, he raped children. And he was out rioting and burning and assaulting people. That was not his defense attorney. He's dead. He's not on trial. That was the prosecutor in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial attempting to explain how all of those activities... That's nothing. Please. Nobody cares if you do that. It reminds me of the thing in uh, Princess Bride where he says, I don't think that word means what you think it does. Yeah. I mean, like, dude, I don't think your description there is coming out the way you think. I think most of us here knocked over a porta potty, was swinging a chain, set a fire, then tipped over a trailer and set it on fire. In the midst of a violent, dangerous riot. Oh, and he was yelling N-bombs. Oh, dropping N-bombs, which generally ruins your life. (laughs) Oh, and he said a bad word. Um, That's not the way most of uh, the the world takes that nowadays. I don't know if you've been following the news, but... So, when a prosecutor... A white guy dropping N-bombs. It doesn't usually play well there. Oh, and he said a bad word. Oh, boy. So when a prosecutor goes with that, or his buddy, his uh, co-prosecutor, James Krause, the porky fellow, he said this in clip 46 about if a mob is attempting to beat you. Everybody takes a beating sometimes, right? Sometimes you get in a, a scuffle and maybe you do get hurt a little bit. That doesn't mean you get to start plugging people with your full metal jacket AR-15 rounds and no bullets are not bullets. So Tucker showed a couple of uh, videos of uh, guys who went ahead and took their beating from the mob. They were horrifying. They will haunt my dreams. Well, I'm glad I didn't see that, but we actually read through from lawyer David French what self-defense is legal in the country. And yeah, actually, specifically, if somebody is beating you like that, if a mob is beating you, you do get to do that to try to protect yourself. It's just the law. So it seemed like the prosecutors were stretching like crazy in their final arguments to me. They were making bizarre arguments. They were waving firearms around in a dangerous way, and it just it seemed like they were grasping at straws. Uh, the jury is still deliberating whether they are just being careful and and uh, methodical or whether they are dealing with one or two irrational jurors who they can't get to see logic. I don't know. I've witnessed that sort of thing. Uh, we'll just have to wait and, and see what the jury brings. And then, of course, we've got to see uh, what the reaction is because those who would commit political violence are more than willing to commit more. Yeah, getting to that. Uh, here's a reporter on Joe Reed's, Joy Reid's show on MSNBC yesterday. She had... This reporter had been out there uh, talking to the mob in front of the courthouse. The people who were protesting against what Rittenhouse did, do they, do they think that he will be convicted just when they were talking to you? 
Uh, frankly, they, they don't. And part of this is pushing that. They think that they want to push uh, and pressure the jury or pressure the court to hold Kyle Rittenhouse accountable, accountable in, the, in their words. Oh, yeah. Angry mobs influencing jurists. That is, that, that's got a wonderful history, black America. You want to contemplate that for a minute? So a crowd out there with bullhorns and screaming and yelling and doing their thing, they're hoping to pressure the jury. That's not the way the system, you don't, you don't want the system to work that way. Yeah, yeah. Who can get the biggest, scariest crowd out front of the courthouse to scare the jury? Yeah, again, there's a history of that in this country, and it's not a good one. I've worked like crazy to eliminate it. I hope nothing bad happens, but these jurors, um, they got to make a decision, and then they got to walk out of that courthouse and go home, and I have a feeling their addresses and phone numbers are going to be all over the Internet. Yeah, and there are enough crazy people out there. That's just a terrible thing. So speaking of what might happen and what did happen and how we got to this point, I thought Tucker did a really good job of describing it last night. Clip 43, Michael. So it's worth pausing for a moment to ask, how do we get here exactly? Well, here's one summary that caught our eye. Today, a Hill staffer called Billy Gribben summed it up in the following way. Quote, we're waiting to see if riots break out because of media lies about a case from a riot that happened because of media lies. Well, that's nicely put, and it's totally true. The August 2020 riot in Kenosha wasn't really a riot in the way that we understand riots. It was an outbreak of political violence. It began three days after the Democratic Convention. That was the context for it. It was, in fact, one of many riots that summer across the country, all of which were explicitly supported by the leadership of the Democratic Party. We're not making this up. Look it up. What was the point of these riots? Well, of course, big picture, the point was to unseat Donald Trump. You know, and, and that's that's true, um, but let's, I think the, the second part of it's even more relevant to what we're talking about. Go ahead, uh, Michael. In the specific case of Kenosha, we know exactly the chain of events that led to where we are today. A man called Jacob Blake was shot by the police. Immediately, the media and the Democratic politicians they served lied about what happened. So they told us that a cop, cop shot Jacob Blake in the back for no apparent reason. And by the way, Jacob Blake was unarmed. He was helpless. They just pulled him out of a lineup and shot him, because that's what America's like. Kamala Harris then jumped in and said she was, quote, proud of Jacob Blake, like he was a civil rights hero, like he was shot for being the wrong color, as so often happens in the systemically racist country. But it was all totally untrue. Not just the themes, but the facts. They were lies. In fact, the police were responding to a call from a woman who said Jacob Blake was trying to kidnap her child. So the police showed up, as they should have, They tried to detain Jacob Blake, and Jacob Blake fought the cops. Then he grabbed a knife. Jacob Blake was holding that knife when he was shot by the police. Jacob Blake admitted that on television. But it was too late. Based on the first false stories from the news media, told intentionally, our leaders suggested that these riots in Kenosha were somehow justified, and then allowed them to continue. Yeah, I remember that one, because that was was the worst of... Various politicians standing up for bad people who get shot by the police. That was the worst one, Kamala Harris. I'm proud of him. Ah, uh, what? This is a bad guy. He he raped this girl with their kid in, in the same room. Right, right. And, and then was re- there to snatch the kid. And- yeah, he just he's all kinds of scary bad. And the police, the racist police, showed up to protect this young black woman from this very scary person that had done horrible things to her already. Um, yeah, so that's that's the case that started the rioting that led to uh, Rittenhouse showing up and just, if, if you're going to allow these kind of things to happen, if you're going to allow political violence 
on your streets if you're going to say crazy things that aren't true about sensitive issues and whip people up. We're going to have way more of this, not less. Right. Right. I love that tweet, too, about the, you know, the media lies, the riot. Now there's a trial that's being influenced by media lies into a riot. You know, the the Washington Post has this piece. They just published, I, I think it was yesterday, uh, but the, and they talk about Rittenhouse and blah, blah, blah. But the one thing, the, the uh, uncle of the, uh, the, the Blake uh, man, whatever his name is, um, uh, but the one thing he most wants will not come to be. There will be no trial for the police officer who shot Jacob Blake. And the article's about how they know they won't get justice. You you fight the cops and pull a knife, you're going to get shot. Folks, maybe you're not experienced with this sort of thing. You're not very worldly. You're considering fighting a cop and pulling a knife on him. If you fight a cop and pull a knife, there's a damn good chance you're going to get shot. And no, there shouldn't be a trial of that cop. Of course not. As he's trying to, he and she, trying to protect this poor rape victim who's being beset by the monster who committed the original crime. Great, Scott, and this is the Washington Post. Democracy dies in darkness. How does it do in stupidity? How does democracy (laughs) fare when you're whipping up racial hatred out of nothing, WAPO? Yeah. Gee, money. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of hoping the verdict would come back while we're on the air today. we got 45 minutes left in the show just so we could report on it as it's happening and see what sort of mayhem happens. But um, we'll have it all for you tomorrow whenever it comes out. Uh, The final word on this whole courthouse thing and juries and judges, I think we go to the Brady Bunch for the final word. Mm. You see... In this country, we're very proud to have a process known as the law. And under the law, a man is presumed innocent until he's proven guilty. Right, Dad. In other words, we don't hang anybody without a fair trial. Everybody knows that. Sure, but sometimes we tend to forget. Well, I'm glad you understand. I'll see you kids later. I have to go shopping with your mother. (laughs) After this little little (laughs) speech about hanging people to the kids... I got to go shopping with your mother. Oh, boy. <laughs> sure, Dad. Everyone Speaking knows that. Speaking of hanging, Dad. son, I got to go shopping with your mother. <laughs> That's from the Brady Bunch. Huh? A simpler time. I'd um, say. The International Olympic Committee out with new guidelines around transgender athletes that you're going to want to hear. Good stuff. We got a professor who's promoting pedophilia. Well, he's normalizing it. He's demystifying it. Yeah, ain't good. I think I know what's going on there. Um, And a whole bunch of other stuff on the way. And we'll get into Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. Remind you what that great organization is and get an update all on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Snapchat has just introduced a new feature that will recommend recipes based on the food that you have lying around in your kitchen. You can use Snapchat's in-app camera to scan a food item, which the app will then recognize and recommend recipes featuring that ingredient. The way it works is this. You take a picture of the ingredients, which links you to a suggested recipe, and then you just eat what your mum makes you for dinner because you're a teenager. Yeah, good point. Oh, Snapchat, right. Yeah. Yeah. Decent right. point. Right. 
So I would take a picture of, I see, I got a stick of butter, a half a can of Coke, and some M&Ms in the fridge. <laughs> and, uh, and then it would come back with a recipe. Yeah. Yum. <laughs> uh, International Olympic Committee out with new guidelines. This is a pretty big deal because the Olympics are coming up in just a couple of weeks, dude. Do you realize that? The Winter Olympics are just in a few weeks, right after the first year, first week of January. China! What, what China? country is going to be glorified by the presence of the International Games? The IOC, International Olympic Committee, just announced it will no longer require trans athletes to undergo hormone-level modifications to compete. What? Yes. They're going further toward letting men beat up on women. Absolutely. Previously, you had to get within certain um, numbers of your testosterone level and that sort of stuff. If you're like born a dude, but you're now a woman, you know, you couldn't still just carry in your male testosterone to compete against women. Well, you can now. Wow. Even though that was was proved by a, lo- a years-long study in the British military is not even coming close to equalizing the playing field. Of course, this version I've gotten, I don't know where this came from, it's just all excitement and exclamation points, because this is all great! The new IOC framework makes it clear that no athlete has an inherent advantage and moves away from eligibility criteria. Wow, I look forward to a day when there's no woman that ever wins another medal. No born woman. No biological woman. No athlete has an inherent advantage is a weird thing to say just on the face of it. Well, it's, it's, uh, for, it's, uh, I almost said Freudian. It's, uh, Orwellian. Le- it's just Le- stating the opposite of what is yeah, true. But even out of sight of trans stuff, LeBron James is a foot taller than me and a hundred pounds of muscle heavier than me. He yes. has an inherent advantage. I don't care what you say. Right. Um, <laughs> but to say that men, born a man, doesn't give you any advantage, well, it's just, it's just denying reality. Yeah, it is. That is just so crazy and sick. It's something. Wow, I would say. I just, I don't, I don't even want, know what to do anymore. I may just completely ignore the Olympics. Uh, speaking of the Olympics, I'm trying to find the headline. Long I, story short, yes? I think I might pay more attention to the Olympics than I ever have before than I did to the last games. I hardly watched any of the last games. I'm going to watch those opening ceremonies. I want to hear what all those announcers on NBC say as they're, they're praising uh, the, the, the great job China has done. And having a bunch of slaves put together a pageant for the rest of the world, mm-hmm. and we all pretend that it wasn't slaves? Right. Or the slave athletes? Well, and it's too late, really, to really affect these games, I think, but um, uh, to have just a, a lot of hulking, until recently, males just dominating the women's sports. I mean, if you're truly a misogynist and you hate women, I mean, this is this is great. No woman will win another medal. Uh, by the way, we've announced, we, the United States, has announced a diplomatic boycott of the games. The president and the useless vice president will not be attending. That'll show China. Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad they're not. I mean, at least would, we're doing that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't been, mean to poo poo that. I mean, that would have been way horrible. But who are we sending? We've got to be sending somebody, I suppose. Yeah, I wonder who the highest ranking American will be. Blinken? Secretary of State? I wonder. Let me let me look into that. I'm not sure. Uh poll just out from Harris. It's a, a well-respected poll, Harris poll. Um 45% of Democrats want Biden to run again. 37% don't. 
Well, so they're presenting it as a plurality of Democrats want Biden to run again. When's He's the, not. When's the last <laughs> time it was even close to 50-50 within the party of the current sitting president of whether they run again? That's hilarious. Almost 40% of Democrats don't want Biden to run again. And we're only 10 months into his presidency. Mm-hmm. And, and, and 40% don't want him to run again. What's he going to be like by the time we get to the election? As his brain continues to go south. I mean, it's just, I mean, right? I, I, anyway. I hear you. Uh, and I think this is kind of interesting. Uh, nearly 90% of Republicans don't want him to run. As a Republican, I say run. I'm sorry. I'm in the 10%. I want Biden to run again. Putting aside the fact that it's a near impossibility, yes, I agree with you completely. Why would I understand you, what you're why saying. Why would you want him to be replaced with somebody uh, healthier and harder to beat? Uh, by the way, the uh, diplomatic boycott of the games is expected to include all U.S. government officials. Okay. Nobody's going to attend the games. Good. I, I can't believe we're participating at all. I think that's absolutely appropriate that we have nobody there. Yeah, I like it. I like the move. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll criticize them when I think it's appropriate. Mm, that's probably a decent measure. I don't know if keeping our athletes out of the games does a lot of good. But I like this gesture, at least. It'll be interesting to see how NBC handles it, how all the advertisers with so much invested handle it. they got to be real careful, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They'll be glorifying by proxy. Totalitarian monsters. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Out here in California, you can see the reason why people are spending more on gas. Behind me, we've got a gas station selling gas for about $5 a gallon. Down the road, it's about $6 a gallon. And all of that is adding up to a holiday weekend, Thanksgiving coming up. $600 million more per day Americans are going to spend on their gasoline. That's pretty extraordinary. $600 million more a day being spent on gasoline. I would never steal anything from anybody, but I tell you what, the idea of getting a little siphoning uh, pump going. (laughs) Come on. Full tank? Fill up my SUV? That's, That's three figures. Well, And hey, gas stations, you got to adjust your pump so they don't shut off at 100 bucks. Yeah. When gas is $5 a gallon, and I realize most of the country isn't like this, but if gas is $5 a gallon, you can't have the pump shut off at 100 bucks. Well, you got to fill up before it's empty. Plan ahead. If you plan to fail, you'll fail the gas up or something. I don't know. Oh, you know what? One more China thing that I meant to mention. Um, There's this uh, Chinese tennis star. I don't know any tennis stars, really, other than like uh, Roger Federer. Uh, but this uh, female Chinese tennis star al- uh, made the allegation that a Chinese communist uh, higher up had raped her, and uh, and she's disappeared now. Her social media accounts have been uh, cleansed or or what have you. And the uh, world, the WTA tour is calling on Chinese authorities to investigate and to uh, make sure she's safe and and to say what what the heck's going on. And the WTA, to their credit, said China doesn't come clean on this. We're going to seriously reassess our doing any business in China. Wow. Well, yeah, but the NBA would never say that. <laughs> in the United States of America, are athletes from swimming, volleyball gymnastics get raped 
by the organization. So if it happens in the United States as much as it does, I'm sure it happens in China all the time. Yeah, that's an excellent point, honestly. Yeah. So we were talking earlier about this uh, this uh, professor who is nine, non-binary or uh, transgender or something. Um, at, this guy's name is Alan Walker. He's an assistant professor at Old Dominion University. He's been suspended or put on administrative leave for an interview he just did. He's uh, promoting his book, A Long Dark Shadow, Minor Attracted People in Their Pursuit of Dignity. Wait a minute, you're saying, what What kind of people? Minor attracted people, which challenges widespread assumptions that persons who are preferentially attracted to minors, often referred to as <laughs> pedophiles, it assumes, it, it uh, challenges the assumptions that they're necessarily also predators and sex offenders. It is, it's trying to destigmatize being a minor attracted person. And some of the quotes are, are pretty suspicious, and some of the people he cites in the books turned out to molest children. Um, but the who he's talking to is is significant. I got beaten up pretty good on the text line for saying earlier when we talked about this that some people are born that way, I think. I think some people are born that way. Mm, I don't think anybody don't really know knows. That. I think your brain's no, wired wrong. Yeah, and, and and frequently uh, uh, pedophiles are victims of child molestation themselves. By, it's by, monstrous by, crime. But my point wasn't, so it's okay. No. Some people are born murderous. Some people are born all kinds of ways. And right. uh, those that can't be in society need to be kept away. Right. Yeah, it seems simple to me, but uh, some people don't get that. Um, and, uh, and so he said things like... Uh, uh, we need to have less stigmatizing and using terms like pedophile. Uh, Old Dominion released a, th- uh, a statement sort of in support of Walker, opening with the line, an academic community plays a valuable role in the quest for knowledge. It also included a statement from Walker who wrote, I want to be clear, child sexual abuse is an inexcusable crime. As an assistant professor of sociology and criminal justice, the goal of my research is to prevent crime. Okay, you know what? That sounds pretty good. Okay, all right. But let's look into it a little more deeply. Uh, Walker is not alone in the desire to normalize pedophilia. Uh, in fact, in defense of the term minor attracted people, Walker cites an organization called Before You Dash Act, a pedophile advocacy group founded by a man named Michael Melsheimer, who was convicted of a heinous crime. Wondering what it is? Don't think too hard. Bank robbery? Nope. Gambling? Nope. Jaywalking? Not quite. He was a convicted pedophile who served time in a federal prison. And uh, I'm quoting now from The Federalist. In case there's somehow any confusion regarding the group's character, note that their About Us page lists their values and missions without even once articulating a desire to mitigate sexual assault. Its FAQ section includes lines like, We see minor attracted people as whole human beings, not as criminals or deviants who need to be controlled. Well, you, as are, well as, you aren't by definition a criminal until you do something. You are a deviant, though, aren't you? Practically by definition? Yeah, but they don't need to be controlled. You deviate from what all society considers normal. And we're not advocating treatment to change sexual feelings. Allow me to ask, writes the Federalist, what exactly occurs, occurs when the sexual desires of someone who is attracted to children aren't changed and not controlled? 
Before You Act is not the only organization running cover for pedophiles. In fact, a video of Walker detailing his reasons for wanting to rebrand pedophilia comes from a conversation hosted by the Prostasia Foundation. That's who did the interview, which advocates for the same same evils as Before You Act. Here's a section of Prostasia's website called Our Campaign Against Doll Bans. Wait a minute. What type of dolls exactly? Well, sex dolls that the government defines as childlike. The organization also works alongside the MAP Support Club, a peer support chat for pedophiles. It just so happens that the minimum age to join the chat is 13. No. If you point out that taking children and sticking them in group chats with pedophiles sounds more like a recipe for child grooming than it does abuse oh prevention. Oh, my God. Prostasia might just accuse you of being a far right winger. Oh, my God. The organization's talk with Walker was also conducted by their communications director, Noah Berlatsky, who has a history of publicly advocating for pedophiles, whom he complains are part of a stigmatized group. 4W's article, Prostasia's Goal is to Normalize Pedophilia, points out that the organization has been home to other unsavory characters, including multiple sex offenders. Um, so, anyway... That's Neither Old Dominion University nor Professor Walker responded to requests for comment. Well, I'm, I'm glad it's still, at least for now, so far out of mainstream. I mean, a lot of things I never thought would be mainstream or mainstream now, but I'm glad that's still so far out of mainstream that uh, even in a university setting that uh, doesn't fly. Well, from the same sort of person who brought us illegal alien is too harsh a term, let's go with undocumented immigrants, then let's just call them immigrants. Uh, you're not allowed to call pedophiles pedophiles. People anymore. experiencing homelessness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just change the language and then everybody, nothing to see here. Just some pedophiles. Wow. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, Old Dominion, credit for uh, suppressing that, uh, that, that, that this that, guy. That one part was way too much, though. So we're going to have a, a, a chat room for pedophiles, and you can oh, join yeah. as young as 13. Okay. I think you thirteen-year-olds hey, want to get in a chat room with pedophiles. I think you just gave away your your intent there a little easier than you realize. Yeah. Good no lord, man! Sick, 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 sick. Hey, good news! Our friend Tim Sandifer, who I claim for the Armstrong and Getty Show, all his success is due to his talent, hard work, and knowing us. <laughs> I kid, but uh, we are not the wind beneath his wings. Perhaps we're the stones below his feet. He used to call us all the time, just as a young listener, already a lawyer, and we called him Tim the Lawyer, and he'd weigh in on things. And anyway, he's become quite the national sensation. I watched a, a great YouTube video a week or so ago. Um, God, who was he interviewing? It'll pop back into my head, but it was it was absolutely fantastic on the founding. Uh, a new book that's out about John Adams? Anyway, I'll think of it. The reason I brought it up is Tim Sandifer's mentioned in George Will's column in the Washington Post again today uh, for some of the great work. Remember, George Will called Tim Sandifer a national treasure. Agreed. Or a national know, asset. That's what he called him. So I was flipping channels late last night, and uh, Ken Burns' baseball documentary came on. I I only saw little bits of that because my kids were small at the time. Well, I, watched I was just every, so busy. I watched every second of that. Man, I enjoyed it. And George good. Will was in there. He looks to be about 35, though. <laughs> Man, time is cruel. Uh, but, yeah, I watched the uh, the whole Black Sox scandal episode and was reminded of some of the particulars about that. And Yeah. Baseball goes way back to the 1800s. It's, pre- it's pretty interesting. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, and just the uh, the situation then. There's so much gambling, and, and the players are getting paid nothing and abused and the rest of it, and they thought, okay, so everybody's getting rich but us. Some gambler wants to give me a few grand to, uh, I don't know, bobble a ground ball. I'm doing it. She kind of yeah. sympathized with the players? I understood it yeah. uh, a little more. Yeah, I can get that. I'm not yeah. saying it's right. What did Chris Rock about uh, say about O.J.? I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying I understand. understand. Yeah. yeah. I'm not even going to go any further with that. Um, uh, duh, no, don't. Uh, Joint Chiefs Vice Chairman with some strong statements about Chinese hypersonic missiles and how much we should be concerned about that. I don't know if we have time for that today or not. We should probably do a total on uh, Warrior Foundation Freedom Station, among other things on the way. We always finish strong. That's our hallmark. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So the jury in the Rittenhouse trial has the case. They're deliberating, but the judge wanted to beat up on the media a little bit a few moments ago. These are five very reputable, competent attorneys that I've practiced with for years. And I think it's shameful, some of the things that are being done to these people. And uh, when I talked about... um, problems with the media when this trial started that's the, the, we were there in part not, not fully but in part because of grossly irresponsible handling of what comes out of this trial i will tell you this uh, i'm going to think long and hard about uh, live television the trial again next time i don't know i, I i've always been a firm believer in it because i think the people should be able to see what's going on but when i see what's being done it's really quite frightening frightening that's the right word for it that's really interesting. Huh. That, that well, did he start by defending the attorneys involved? Is that what I heard? Yeah. Well, yeah. <clears throat> uh, if you watch cable news, you know, depending on which channel you watch, they lay out how the other the 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 attorneys on the other side of the politics of the channel are clearly idiots and bad people. Yeah. Evil. And evil. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not sure you know, that helps anything. If I were there in the courtroom, I would say, uh, Mr. Your Honor, Judge, sir, um, uh, the only reason that there are a lot of people with a clear view of the trial is because they did have the opportunity to watch it in person, to watch it live. And they were not taking it in through the lens of the incredibly skewed media coverage. Now, cameras pervert trials. I've long believed that. No doubt. At the same time, and, and thank God there are conservative media out there, but... If you only had the alphabet networks or the legacy media to depend on for a depiction of the trial, it's like uh, I watched day one of the trial and then uh, read the New York Times uh, coverage of it. I didn't. I hardly recognized. Wow, that's interesting. Well, you make a good point because I was about to jump on his side and say, yeah, clearly cameras in the courtroom are a horrible idea. But as you point out, I wouldn't know how wrong these media reports were if we couldn't see clips from the trial. Right. Right. Uh, by the way, Andy No just tweeted out a video I was just looking at of uh, angry leftist protesters surrounding the courthouse. And then this particular case, they're screaming at a woman. 
uh, is holding a sign that says BLM and Antifa are here to intimidate. That's outside the courthouse. And so they're intimidating her? I guess. But so you got angry people on both sides. And then somebody with a sign. Okay. Whatever. Uh, I'm not looking forward to how this might play out when the jury comes back and acquits this kid of everything. I'm glad there's 500 troops there, though. The chance of it getting completely out of hand with 500 troops there, it can't get too out of hand, can it? There's no way it ends up like... You wouldn't think. I was going to say, is there any chance they acquit him, the riot breaks out, he gets his AR-15 back out of the evidence locker and heads out into the crowd. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I hope not. That would probably not be great. No. Probably not. No. Isn't don't, it ironic? Don't do that, Kyle. Isn't it ironic? Yeah. So I oh meant, to, meant to play this, but we ran out of time on CBS today. Their uh, military, their Pentagon correspondent, David, I can't think of his name right now, um, old guy. He is interviewing the number two at the Chairman Joint Chiefs of Staff, the guy that's right below Mark Milley, and he did an interview about China's hypersonic missiles and how amazing that was that they sent that missile around the world the way they did, dropped off a payload at a target within 20 miles, which he said is incredibly accurate, despite other people I've heard saying shows how bad their technology is. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's an H-bomb. You get within 100 miles, you've done your job, but... Flew around the world, uh, barely detected by us, and he said, and this is the key to the report on CBS today, this general said, it looks like a first strike capability they're working on to me. Mm -hmm. In other words, an offensive weapon, not a defensive weapon, a, we're going to strike you before you even know what happened whenever we feel like it. Wow. That's the way the Pentagon's looking at it. Wow. It's a heck of a thing to say. It looks like they're working on first-use capability. That's what he said. Well, and if it is an unseeable, on-radar, untrackable missile, uh, that that goes off, decimates a city. There's going to be a period of, all right, who shot it at us? We have no radar tracking data. We we can't prove where it came from. What if it's D.C.? Who's going to even make those decisions? Right. Yikes! It's a dark note to end the proceedings on. Your station for Armageddon in a dystopian future. <laughs> the Armstrong and Getty Show. Here's our host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Hey, how about a final thought? Uh, final, final thought <laughs> in Jack's scenario from everybody on the crew, including our technical <laughs> director, Michelangelo. Michael? Yeah, seriously, instead of getting a fancy coffee, just for one day, drink some black instant coffee and take that savings. Put it to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. I like it, man. Yep, just go to armstrongandgetty.com. Young Alex, our behind-the-scenes producer with Final Thought. Alex? You know, a lot of people have been making fun of the Brass Against senior Sophia Urea for uh, peeing on the gentleman yeah. at the concert. They are making fun of her for urinating on a fan. Yes, they are. It's, the band is actually really good. You should check them out. I really enjoy them. I will be referring to her as Uretha Franklin from here on out, though. Yeah, wow. What do they do to up the ante at the next show? I oh shudder boy. to think. Oh Jack, boy. do you have a final thought you'd like to share with us? There's one logical step to take. 
Indeed. Um, we should get a total here for Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. Gladys, hit the drum roll. Where are we? And I got to tell you, I don't, I don't know how to handle this. $232,000. That is a ton of money. Order of over a quarter of a million dollars. But we're short of where we were last year. We're not oh. halfway through. We're halfway through the week. I, I'm assuming there's a lot of you. You're like me. You plan to do it. You intend to do it. You just haven't. Please go to armstrongandgetty.com right now. Click on the banner. Donate the money. 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever. It all adds up. It's super easy to do. Armstrongandgetty.com. Oh, it's such a wonderful place for our warriors to heal together and get all the services they need. Super careful with your donations. Armstrongandgetty.com. My final thought is uh, give what you can. We'll keep an eye on the uh, Rittenhouse verdict, and uh, which I expect to come today. If it doesn't, I'll really be intrigued. And then the aftermath. Will there be an aftermath? Riotons against the law. Enforce the law. Who killed Malcolm X? Two of the three men convicted of the killing are being let loose today, which opens up the whole conspiracy thing. Kennedy, the mafia, all the different stuff. Oh, if boy. Into, if you're into that kind of whole story. Anyway. Uh, We will see you tomorrow with all the very latest. God bless America. Listen up, Jack Wagon. There's something happening out here. I want to hear this. We must together, work together. But resist, we must. We must. And to work on. I have no idea why you would do something like that. Oh, and he said some bad words. But I think that there's something else that's happening. Well, that bad care. These conversations are intrinsically multifaceted. I think that's a part of it. And if it is, I think that'd be good news. But if we don't... Everybody takes a beating sometimes, right? Yay! And we will... Armstrong and Getty.